Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Some of the words that have been used to describe care court, coercive, backwards, harmful. Are any of those fair? You laugh. (laughs) I laugh. I I don't laugh dismissively. Those are talking points that have been on rewind for decades and decades, and I'm frankly exhausted by them. I'm frankly exhausted by them. That's Gavin Newsom, governor of California, on 60 Minutes last night. Uh, he's usually very skillful with the knowing chuckle. I thought that was one chuckle too many. That was not <laughs> chuckle worthy. <laughs> so we're talking about these care courts, which is an idea that I'm I'm all for debating this and talking about whether it's a good idea. Because we do have a lot of mentally ill people hanging around. And uh, now are they organically mentally ill or do they make themselves crazy through drug use? And is there a difference and does it matter? And those are all good questions, too. But anyway, a lot of people on the street that are mentally ill, and currently they just hang out there until they, like, get hurt or hurt someone else or get right. caught stealing enough or something, and you end up in jail. That's why the jails are the number one mental institution in this country. That's right. In every city, every state of the country, that's the case. And there are some folks who refuse to accept care. There are some families that are desperate to find some sort of care for their mentally ill loved one, and it's not available. We must change what we're doing. Yeah, so getting to that topic, they featured a woman on 60 Minutes last night whose son is schizophrenic, and man, she was a very composed person for someone who's been dealing with what she's been dealing with. 
throughout her son's life and uh, him being on the street and them not knowing if he was dead all the time. She's probably just grown somewhat used to it day by day by day, year after year after year. Anyway, at one point, uh, they had the son, the schizophrenic son, on the phone. He didn't want to be on camera, but he was on the phone in 60 Minutes and uh, talking with his mom and the son. Farrow declined to be interviewed on camera, but he described to us on the phone how difficult it can be to live with his illness. Constant overthinking. Your brain is always racing. Your inner voice is always talking, racing, racing. No peace. Never any uh, solace and peace. What do you think would have happened to him had he not had that treatment? Every single time I have to start, in my mind, preparing a funeral. Mm. I have to get my heart and myself and my family ready, you know, that will he make it this time? It's not yeah. It's not easy. Uh, he got arrested, I believe, at some point, and that's how he ended up getting some um, mental health services that helped him out, at least for the time being. And here she is on the idea of initiating the whole care court proceedings on someone. Care court will launch in eight California counties, including Los Angeles and San Diego, where Anita and Farrow live. By the end of next year, it will be statewide. What does a successful care court look like for Farrow? I hope he will never have to use it. And I hope that if it does, that he even sees it as a positive experience where his voice is heard. If you have to, will you initiate care court proceedings? Absolutely. I have no hesitation. It is trauma for the family to keep going through that with their loved one. Yeah, I can't uh, can't imagine how awful that would be. Where you just go out driving around because you kind of know the places your husband, wife, son, daughter, whoever usually hangs out. When their uh, mental illness is acting up, it's worse, and you go and see if they're alive or see if they're there. And you go talk to them, and they don't want any help. And they say the the voices in their head are telling them not to take the medicine that they're fine. What are you going to do? There's nothing you can do. What are you going to do? Right. You're going to you're going to hold them down, tie the wrists, put them in the trunk of your car. I mean, what literally? What are you going to do? Uh, it'd be it'd be nightmarish. Uh, and these care courts would, in theory, give you the ability to sign some paperwork, and then I guess somebody does hold them down and tie their wrists if they have to and get them to the hospital? Is that the way it's going to work? Well, if you have to restrain somebody, you will. I, I hope that wouldn't be necessary often. But so that Are you going to play the uh, ACLU gal? Yeah, so, the, pretty there's, so yeah, there's yeah. obviously pushback against this sort of idea, which is why they went, went away 50 years ago, was a whole bunch of people were getting thrown in mental institutions that didn't have anything wrong with them. And you just wanted to get rid of a troubled kid or a annoying husband or whatever <laughs> they're mentally ill and then they'd throw them in the leave um here's someone uh pushing back the downside of this whole idea you know? do you feel like you're getting medication that you need absolutely not what has to happen in order for you to get that honestly i would have to be committed into a mental health hospital because going into places that offer like volunteer services are they're backed up or they don't have enough space or my insurance doesn't cover some of the stuff that i need when i say the word care court to you what comes to your mind medical incarceration it's just another way to mass incarcerate people and instead of it just being like criminal it's medical now so that's a woman that had been through it has been through it and is on the side of the aclu saying it's medical incarceration and that well you know incarceration is a pejorative term basically uh suggesting that uh, we're holding people against their will which we are 
Well, and suggesting that it's part of the greater problem of mass incarceration. All right, now I know where you're coming from. Uh, forget it. I don't. I don't need to hear your, you know, critical race theory. We need to empty the jails stuff. Oh, so you think that's what the angle is, so that you can uh, add that to the numbers? We're the most incarcerated country on earth, and all that sort of stuff. And it tends to be people of color and all that. You think that's what it is? Yeah, and as she was, uh, you know, a lady of color. I suspect that that was her angle. But so what would the so but what's your goal though to let people just hang out on the street mentally ill until they die? I, you know, I I'm sure there's a great kind of unified theory of what's going on with this. It appears to be Oh, this is a little complicated thought. We seem to have arrived at a point in society now where we don't feel like we can do anything until we're at an extreme point. You can't discipline a kid in school unless he like puts a, buries a hatchet in somebody. Um, you can't uh, enforce shoplifting laws. You can't enforce really any laws, drug laws or whatever. You let somebody offend and offend and offend until they commit a murder, and then you throw them in jail for the rest of their lives. Um, uh, we're just in this weird, and I don't know whether it's an over-reliance on the authorities, it's a, we're, we're over-regulated and over-lawed or what, but there doesn't seem to be any adult decisiveness uh, left where you say, if we let this person continue to offend, they're going to kill somebody. It ends now. If we let, let this person who's profoundly mentally ill stay on the streets, they're going to be dead, and everybody's going to cry and say it's a tragedy. We need to do something before it's a tragedy. But nobody seems to have the confidence or, I don't know, maybe it's that there, we've got so many just completely wackadoo political theories that now have enough following because of the Internet that when you go to do something that's completely sane and justifiable, you have 10% of the population saying, oh, this is more over-incarceration because of racism. And I'm like, that person is profoundly psychotic. This has nothing to do with over-incarceration. I'm trying to keep her from dying on the streets. But I don't know. I don't know what it is. So a number we don't know, and this, so this is what I was thinking the entire time I was watching the 60 Minutes piece. They they opened it, as we uh, mentioned earlier, they opened it by saying California has the largest population of homeless people in the country, which it does before. They actually said L.A. County has one out of eight homeless people in the country, which is quite amazing. Um, uh, but it's a mental, they said it's the, uh, California's high housing costs and mental illness. They did not say anything about drug addicts. I, I'm... Uh, there's a bunch of reporting out there that would make it seem pretty clear, and just from observation, that the vast m- biggest portion of the problem is drug addicts. Mm-hmm. It's not housing costs or even mental illness. So you spend the entire long segment talking about mental health care, and then the gov- governor gets to get very indignant about, oh, people, the, the forces of status quo are trying to stop me, and nobody's going to stop me from dealing with 5% of the problem? 10% of the problem? Is it 20? I'm starting to think we're getting pretty high there, thinking that 20% of the problem is just untreated mental illness. People that that didn't have a family structure or anything like that where they somebody could get them help and they ended up on the street. I'm, I know that happens. You just heard from sure. somebody right mm-hmm. there. But what percentage of the overall homeless problem is that? It, it can't be very much. That is absolutely, in a way, the question, yes. and I think it's telling that it's not asked. What percentage are 
just mentally ill, period. What percentage have ruined their minds with drugs or they're drug addicts and otherwise they're fine? What percentage are people who just want to live in a tent and do drugs all day because working is a pain in the ass? What percentage are healthy people of sound mind who were forced out of the housing because it is admittedly quite expensive and it's it's expensive everywhere? Uh, what percentage roughly of the greater problem are those categories because you can't conceivably solve the question or solve the problem until you have those answers. But there's a real lack of curiosity about that. And I don't think that's a coincidence. There are billions of dollars changing hands. Right. I, I just I'm very I don't I don't want to be accused of being one of the naysayers. Governor Newsom was talking about that's in favor of the status quo and all, you know, he's sick of it. He's had enough of this. What the hell is going on? But I almost feel like we're nibbling around the edges of the... Well, I don't almost feel like it. I think we definitely are. We're nibbling around the edges of the street person problem with the mentally ill part. And that needs yes. to be dealt with. That's horrifying that you got a schizophrenic, danger-to-themselves son out there, and there's no way to get him in a mental hospital. But I think that's a small percentage of what's going on here. Right. Well, even if it were half, that's only half. There's no way it's half. Right. Uh, one more thought, if I might, and it's a shot at progressives, which is, uh, well, it's kind of my thing, but it's worth keeping in mind that the mental hospitals closed. They weren't closed by Reagan, as the old legend goes. The progressives in America in the very early 60s, the 50s, they said, hey, these mental hospitals are excessive. We need to have community mental health care. And, and they were right about the excessive uh, number of people committed and the rest of it and how the system needed reform. Um, but their answer was, hey, we'll just have street corner mental health clinics and everybody will take, uh, was it, it wasn't lithium. It was, uh, uh, what was the drug that came along that was going to be the miracle drug for mental health? Doesn't matter. We can look it up. Um, and, and it'll all be fine. So we're closing all these mental hospitals. Well, then Congress never funded the corner healthcare, uh, mental healthcare centers. Uh, neither did the states or local jurisdictions. Turned out there were terrible side effects to the drug that was going to solve everything. And it just stalled, period, and just ended. And then about a decade, 15 years ago, I know, speaking for Cal Unicornia, there was a big movement to close the residence hotels, the flop houses, where you could get a room with a hot plate and a John down the hall for a very, very affordable price. Because Progressive America said, hey, these places aren't safe. They're kind of dingy. They're dirty. We can't have people living here. Let's send in the inspectors, declare them too nasty, and close them all down. But the people living there had nowhere to go. So once again, thank you for your feel-good program. But what do we do now? Yeah, and we got to take a break, but I, I don't know how you deal with it, even if it's mental illness. What if your mental illness is caused by hardcore drug use that ruined your brain? That person is yeah. going to have to be in the care of the state forever. How many gazillion dollars would that cost? And right. we're going to fix it on the back end? So we're still going to have the, the magnet for people wanting to get high and you can live on the street, but then we're going to put them in prison after you've ruined your brain? Or prison, but it's a mental health facility. Well, and... To flip the coin over, we're going to, as taxpayers, let these people uh, do anything they want, violate any law they want, ruin their brains, and then we'll pick up the tab for their ruined lives afterward. That's not a very good policy. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch how this plays out. If you have any thoughts, our text line, 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Getty. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu The Armstrong and Getty Show Travis's brother and former Super Bowl competitor Jason added fuel to the speculation last week when he was asked whether they were dating. Yeah, man, I, I, I think they're doing great and I think it's all 100% true and I hope that this soon goes a mile down. I don't really know what's happening. He's in again! Touchdown Chiefs! Following Sunday's Chiefs win, Coach Andy Reid joked about the pair. I set him up. And quarterback Patrick Mahomes said the team knew the Swifties were watching. Did you feel the pressure, Patrick? I felt a little bit of pressure, um, and so I knew I had to get it to Trav. I think he wanted to get in the end zone just as much as uh, all the Swifties wanted him to. (laughs) So there you have the best quarterback, the best NFL player in the world, Patrick Mahomes, saying I had to get him the ball for all the Swifties. (laughs) <laughs> because his receiver is dating Taylor Swift. That is hilarious. That is funny. I don't know how to approach this story. You have two enormous media worlds coming together. The NFL and the NFL's over the last half dozen years best team, most high profile team coming together with the biggest music phenomenon in like a half a century, Taylor Swift, coming together. Wow, it's too good to be true, Jack. <laughs> Now, somebody uh, texted me, hey, you got to look into how he ended up dating her. And I'd heard this story, if I remember correctly. He he went to a Taylor Swift concert with, does he have daughters? I don't remember how he's in, in, at a concert. But he paid some security guy to get his phone number to her. I mean, he went to all kinds of different lengths to try to contact her and finally was able to. Wow. And then I don't know if somebody explained to her who she is, who he was, and then she checked out. I don't know, his his Q rating had be the combination of uh, you know, 
influence and value and everything like that, or she just then then slid into his DMs, which I'm told is something. <laughs> That's a thing people do. <laughs> I mean, I mean, she might just think, "Hey, he's cute. Talk to him on the phone. Really like him." But it ain't hurt hurting either one of their brands either at all. Oh, right, exactly. I was going to say, you know, they might actually hit it off and be happy together, and I wish him well, but, you know, she is in the style of Madonna, Lady Gaga, and others, uh, uh, incredibly adept at being famous. Right. And to juice that publicity machine now and again. Was Madonna in love with Dennis Rodman when she was dating him? No, he was just like the hottest media attention guy in America at the time. But I, you know, this and and Travis Kelsey hosted Saturday Night Live right after the Super Bowl. He's he's does all kinds of commercials. He's become his own thing. He's definitely yeah, he's funny dude. Yeah, likable. Definitely seems like a better bet as dating material than Dennis Rodman. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's not on that list? Seriously, <laughs> Joe Biden's a better dating prospect than Dennis Rodman. Patrick Mahomes saying we were feeling pressure to get to the ball to him. To please the Swifties is that's m- funny. Maybe the oddest NFL sentence ever uttered. Well, he's got a sense of humor. He keeps it in perspective. That's uh, that's hilarious. Be like Johnny Unitas. Well, I had to get the ball to him to because of Beatlemania and all. He's dating Ringo. She's dating Ringo Starr. I guess it wouldn't work. But. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little confusing, but uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's funny. Okay, all right. I saw her quarterback with his, oh kissing boy. Ringo Starr, and my dad said, look, it's simple. They love each other. So that's the way that Joey, they love each other. <laughs> I mean, as you have all our institutions. Wow. Wow. That's going to be a fun story to follow. That'll be, oh, it's so oppressive over the next couple of weeks. The whole thing is thing. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. 
Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 44% of people in this poll say they are not as well off as they were at the start of the Biden administration. Those are the worst numbers that we've seen in our ABC News, Washington Post polling. We know President Biden has been out there trying to make the case. Inflation has been easing, but people aren't buying it. Right now, on the big picture on the economy, 74% of the country, that's about three quarters of Americans, who say the economy is either not so good or downright poor. So the numbers in that ABC poll for Joe Biden all the way around were horrible. I mean, just absolutely horrible. But the the economy stuff is is amazing, and and uh, and why they continue to go out there and try to tell you you're wrong. I mean, that's the worst thing you can do to me is tell me no, 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 no. Your perception is wrong. You're too stupid to understand this is good. Well, Screw and if you. that would ever work on any topic, the one time it wouldn't is how much money you have and how you feel when you go to the grocery store. I mean, it is utterly impossible that some politician could talk me out of, holy crap, things are expensive. Right. I am confused on this. Now, so first of all, on that, we got this text. I'm uh, I'm in middle management, and I'm making more money than I've ever made before, yet I've never struggled as much as I am right now. I get that because things are so expensive. On the other hand, though, why are restaurants and theme parks and all these things still so crowded? Um, that just that just I don't quite get it. So I, I went out, we went to Texas Roadhouse. It's a chain. I don't know if you've ever been there. We like the steaks and the the sweet rolls with the honey butter. Um, but I think the bill for us was with tip was over two hundred dollars. That's like going used to be like going to a really nice restaurant, which I would getting a ra- bottle of wine too, a nice bottle, which yeah. I would rarely do, where I'm going to spend that much money. Uh, 200 bucks, and the place was packed. It was an hour wait to get in there. An hour wait on a Saturday night. Line, when I, we left, the line was around the parking lot for people to go in there and spend that kind of money. So I don't quite understand how the whole thing works. Airports are full. I've talked about waiting for hours at theme parks where it's like 500 bucks to get the family in there. So are people, is everybody using their credit cards? Or I just don't quite understand how all the pieces fit on this. Well, I know their consumer debt is growing. Maybe it's that the 60% on the top economically are feeling, are still, you know, expressing that pent up uh, demand that is left over from COVID, whereas the bottom 40%, which is, you know, what would that be? 150 million people. um, They're really, really hurting. I don't know. That's my best guess. Yeah, I, I, we polling shows you know three quarters of Americans think that we're the economy's horrible or or bad, um, and going in the wrong direction. Yet a lot of us are still spending money on these ridiculous things. So I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, that is a tough one to nail down. If you have some brilliant theory, you could email us mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com or, or text 415-295-KFTC. I would say this: uh, no president gets reelected with those numbers. Unless oh, you're no. running against Donald Trump, then perhaps you do. Right, right, and 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 likewise. Uh, and that wasn't meant well, as an anti-Trump blast. It's just the reality of his ceiling. Well, it's a statement of fact. Yeah, Biden's performance is miserable. His approval ratings are subterranean, and in most polls, he's tied with Trump. Now, in the recent ABC Washington Post poll, he's down nine points, but that's an outlier. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, that's something. <clears throat> There's no way he runs, folks. No way he runs. Biden? Biden. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
a couple of pieces of news from the world of uh, college education, uh, some of them uh, encouraging, some not so much. Uh, our good friends at FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, are suing the state of Calunicornia Community Colleges uh, because they're forcing professors to espouse uh, controversial views about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think this is going to be a landmark case against mm. an utterly, utterly outrageous practice. Certainly hope so. Um, and one of the lead uh, plaintiffs in this case is this, uh, he's a chemistry professor, I think, chemistry or physics. Um, and and he, like everybody else, has to write an essay of how they're going to incorporate anti-racist views into the classroom uh. Teaching and professors must, this is a quote now, must acknowledge that cultural and social identities are diverse, fluid, and intersectional, and they must develop knowledge of the intersectionality of social identities and multiple axes of oppression that people from different racial, ethnic, and other minority groups face. And then you've got to write specifically how you're going to incorporate that into your lessons. I'm and, a chemist. I know how electrons can bond between atoms and molecules to create, well, if, but I don't really know anything about this. If I might, the very professor in uh, question says, quote, I'm a professor of chemistry. How am I supposed to incorporate DEI into my classroom instruction? What's the anti-racist perspective on the atomic mass of boron? (laughs) (laughs) And then the fire attorney, Daniel Ortner, makes a, a brilliant point. These regulations are totalitarian triple whammies. The government is forcing professors to teach and preach a politicized point of view they do not share. They're imposing incomprehensible guidelines and threatening to punish professors when they cross an arbitrary, indiscernible line. And so you get them, Fire. I'm going to lay you a couple of bucks on them. I think they do brilliant work. Yeah, I'm I'm way more in favor of giving money to organizations like that than individual politicians. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Whether it's our our friends at the Goldwater Foundation, Pacific Legal Foundation, uh, Fire, or whoever you think is doing the righteous work of liberty. Yeah, I agree completely. I found this so interesting as we, uh, the two of us, have been railing for years about how colleges and universities in this country have become grade inflated luxury day camps that if they do anything, they indulge in political indoctrination. As the kids are studying less, the teachers are teaching less, and the prices are just bloating out of control as they add more and more deans of diversity, equity, and and, and ripoffs. Political indoctrination day camps. That's pretty good. So anyway, I found this so interesting. In the liberal, snurdly, New York Times, they point out a decade ago, Americans were feeling pretty positive about higher education. Uh, Public opinion polls in the early 2010s consistently said, for instance, um, 86% of college graduates said that college had been a good investment. 86%. In another, 74% of young adults said a college education was very important. Here's a different poll. 60% of Americans said that colleges and universities were having a positive impact on the country. Now, I would say, so it's interesting, they asked graduates whether they thought it was worth it, so that's that's pretty meaningful. The other questions, though, if you're including the population, obviously, if you're 45 years old, you're judging it based on your experience from 25 years ago, so it would be a lagging indicator to catch up to some of that stuff. Yeah, I think so, sure. Um, and as you get older, you might have parents, college kids weighing in, but 96% of parents who identified as Democrats said they expected their kid to attend college. 
only outdone by Republican parents, 99% of whom said they expected their kid to go to college. And we could go on with some more stats well, that more or less prove the point. Interesting. That's uh, that's a high number. Yeah, and they talk about how the typical American with a bachelor's degree was earning about two-thirds more than the typical high school grad, et cetera, et cetera. A decade later, Americans' feelings about higher education have turned sharply negative. Once in a while, though it takes a while, I see Americans waking up to what is plainly true and saying, hey, this isn't right, in a way that's really pretty encouraging. I'm hoping the whole DEI, critical race theory, queer theory stuff is next. Um, But as they point out in the New York Times, the percentage of young adults who said that a college degree is very important fell from 74% to 41%. I'm in the majority then. I'm back again, back in the majority. In about a decade, only about a third of Americans now say they have a lot of confidence in higher education. Among young Americans in Generation Z, 45% say that a high school diploma is all you need today to ensure financial security. I don't know about that. (laughs) I wouldn't say that. I would say a high school diploma and specialized professional education. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. But, you know, and I, you do whatever you want. Uh, um, I just, for myself, I, I heard somebody the other day talking about how their, uh, their kids said they weren't interested in going to college. I said, oh, yes, you are. I thought, you know, I'm not going to butt in somebody else's business. I don't know anything about their family or anything. But I thought, why? Why are you so adamant about that? Unless my kids got a specific thing that they want to go learn or whatever, go go learn this at that school and go start making a living years before these other people do with no debt. Well, and here's where I kick you right in the transcript. Listen to this. <laughs> in contrast, contrast to that 96% and 99% that we mentioned earlier, uh, almost almost half of American parents now say they'd prefer that their children not enroll in a four-year college. Well, that's where I am, unless they have a specific thing that they want to do that a college education would help out with. I just, I don't understand. Based on everything we've learned about less classes, less learning, and the incredible cost, I just, I don't get it. What's the, what's the poll? Right. Uh, and I love the idea of, hey, you uh, you experiment a little, you hold various jobs, you realize, hey, I have a passion for this and I'm pretty good at it. Turns out I might need some college classes to rise up in my field. Then then you do the higher education thing in a way that's more directed and more useful. Now, you all run your lives and your kids' sure. lives the way, the, however you want, but that might be a better model. Interestingly, the U.S. is an outlier. Um, higher education is more popular than ever outside the U.S. in most of the countries they look at, like Britain and Canada. Well, what um, are their university systems? Are they still teaching people? Exactly. In Japan and South Korea and, uh, and Switzerland, Netherlands, whatever. Are they still learning? Are they still rigorous? Are they bloated with with uh, indoctrination deans and and are the professors teaching the material? Or are they teaching that uh, that white people are evil and that uh, there are forty seven genders or whatever? It, it could be because we were more quote unquote progressive about these things. We reached the point that hey, this crap is crazy faster than a lot of those countries mm. will. Mm. So a couple more quick notes about college. Um, That's amazing, though. It went from nearly every parent, Republican and Democrat, saying, oh, yeah, my kid's going to college, to less than half? Yeah. In a few years? That's amazing. Yeah, about a decade. 
Yeah. Wow. And, and a couple of notes about how the way things really work. Uh, first of all, colleges have uh, evaded that Supreme Court ruling about affirmative action in education with ease and practically openly. Now they just ask you to describe your life experience and the challenges you've overcome, uh, including a racial in your little essay. And and if you write, well, I'm a black dude and sometimes people are mean to me, they think, OK, we got a black guy here, so let's admit him. Uh, without explicitly asking. And secondly, some of the top law schools in America, UC Berkeley and the University of Michigan, were openly plotting in a video conference and instructing each other on how to get around the new laws. You should be aware right now of the record you're creating, said the dean of Michigan Law School. Uh, well, he's actually their general counsel, their lawyer, Timothy Lynch. Uh, he said, uh, what's your faculty saying in emails? What are they saying in public? You have to be very, very careful um, to cover your tracks. <clears throat> and then Erwin uh, Chemerinsky, who's the dean of UC Berkeley Law, gets on and says, uh, it's a great point. Um, and he says that he was uh, addressing faculty and joked with students, if I'm ever deposed, I'm going to deny I said any of these things to you. So you must cover your tracks and don't create a paper trail, all right? They're doing this out in the open. Wow. Yeah. Which you only do if you think there's very little likelihood of getting caught? Uh, yeah. I mean, here's an attorney who specializes in education law saying, if these people, if these people were ever sued for race discrimination, this video is going to be exhibit A for the jury. Oh, but they're so full of hubris. They don't care. So you just listened to it, Michael? You did? Okay. Should have jammed this in. Well, okay, uh -oh. you can wait for it coming up. So what? I, I'd, I'd seen this. Joe Biden mispronounces LL Cool J and then says something he shouldn't say around it. Well, Hanson got the audio. Oh, no. Michael listened to it, said it's gold. It's gold. Because I was oh. saying in their ear, is it good? Because, you know, some of them are good, some of them are great. This one's great. Uh-oh. So we'll get to that <laughs> right when we come back. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER this is it your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. 
You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The Armstrong and Getty Show. By the way, this is the last week that Netflix will have their mail-order DVD service going. No. <laughs> Who was still doing that? Remember, that's how Netflix started? You would order DVDs through the mail, and they'd ship them like really fast to your house, and you'd mail them back, and it was really handy. Then they became a streaming, make-their-own-TV-shows thing, which is a completely different business than their original business model. But they were still apparently... Doing the mail order DVD people for, I don't know, some people in Coon Holler who are still using <laughs> DVD players? Well, Judy and I have been hoping to spin back to school, too, uh, this weekend, so i got to remember to order. But that's the it ends its DVD mail order operations this week, so get in on it while you can. Uh, we have a clip here we need to play. I haven't heard it. I'm told it's gold. Um, I hope we didn't build up the expectations too high. But it's Joe Biden speaking somewhere, and he is referencing rapper LL Cool J. Two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip-hop in America, LLJ Cool J. Uh, by the way, that boy's got, that man's got biceps bigger than my thighs. I think he's been... So, and boy? MC Light, both of you, thank you. So he did a little LLJ Cool JL Cool and then uh, dropped a boy on him. So there you go. Mm, yeah, I don't know. He's senile. He's I don't I don't think Joe Biden's secretly racist or anything like that. I never buy into that sort of stuff, but he has done the whole boy thing accidentally so many times oh, in his career. Yeah. Yeah. He just, he's been falling back on his old backslapping stories and expressions and the rest of it for 50 years. And Angelo said, Joey, babe. No, he didn't. No, don't tell the Angelo story anymore on the Amtrak. But he does it anyway. I suppose we should hear at least the first part of this again, Michael. Two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip-hop in America. LLJ Cool J. Uh... By that? the way, that boy's got, that man's got biceps bigger yeah. than my thumb. I caught himself. Yeah, he so did. he's still got enough of uh, the gray matter working to realize, oh, no, I did it again. I so this is his good time boy, of day. I shouldn't do that. Let me change it to man, LLJ Cool JL. So the crowd cheered. Did LLL Cool J stand up at that point? They weren't cheering his slaughtering the name, I assume. I thought that was laughter. Oh, was it laughter? Yeah, I don't know. That's anyway. what it sounded like. Uh, you know my number one story for the day. Uh, what? Taylor Swift dating Travis Kelsey and at the game for the Kansas City Chiefs sitting with his mom. So after the game, reports are now. Reports? Who's reporting this? People that were at the restaurant that she called and said, uh, Travis and I are coming there to eat. We need the place to be empty. I will pay for everybody's meal. So all the this is out on TikTok for all the people that were eating at the restaurant. I guess this is the way you roll when you're Taylor Swift. Wow. You want to eat wow. at some restaurant. So the waitresses came around, according to TikTok videos I've just looked at. Waitress comes around and says, good news is your meal's paid for. 
Uh, bad news is you got to leave. We got about 15 minutes, but everybody's got to leave. But we're paying for everything, and everybody's like so excited. It was Taylor, and and so everybody got their meal paid for. Everybody left, so uh, she and uh, Kelsey show up and eat in an empty restaurant. Where am I in my meal in this scenario? Exactly. Paying for my meal before I've eaten it? That doesn't do me any good. I don't know. Maybe you could package it to go. That'd be a bit of a drag. But I was, I was talking about this with somebody yesterday. Just the idea of if you're a certain level of wealth and fame, you almost have to date somebody at a similar level of wealth and fame. Or, or it, it would, simplifies a lot of things. Yeah. Oh, it certainly would. Or it would be awkward for quite a while if you, if she dates, for instance, just a regular person who's never flown on a private plane, who's never you know stayed in a five thousand dollar hotel room, who's never ridden a limousine. All, all of these experiences would be brand new all the time, and you'd get pretty tiring if you're Taylor Swift. Oh my God, this plane is amazing. Yeah, that's how I get everywhere all the time, every day. I mean, it would be weird. Yeah. I think that's less important than the fact that the other party, if they're not used to that, would do and say about anything to keep the ride going. It would be hard Whereas, not to. It'd be very hard not to, even if you're not that kind of person. Right. Whereas if you have you know, equal wealth and opportunities, the rest of it, then your relationship is at will. It's If you say, yeah, I'm really into this, it's probably because you are. It'd be really hard to break up with somebody. If you're a regular person and you're flying around in their jet and everything. <laughs> I'd put up with a lot for a long time. Yeah, yeah, you sure would. Armstrong and Getty. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.